Welcome to Legalese. At Legalese, we offer you a diverse and civil perspective on current issues affecting America and beyond, inviting the smartest minds from Arizona and the country to politely discuss the things that matter in a Socratic manner. Our intent is to improve discourse and information dissemination in a time of hyper-partisanship and poor critical thinking. No one will be called names. No one's beliefs will be mocked. This is our response to recent and biased news content. We are here simply to deliver balanced and informative discussions about legal matters that affect us all, from yours truly, soon-to-be lawyers and current lawyers and journalists united. We offer you all of this without convoluted legalese, which is a word for fancy lawyer talk. We hope you enjoy the show. For this month's episode, because I am a writer and I have a law degree, I couldn't help but arrange to cover the, I'll call it the battle, between the WGA, the Writers Guild of America, and the Association of Talent Agents. It's made headlines, but it hasn't always been captured in a truthful light, in my opinion. So this episode seeks to illuminate the truths of the matter while highlighting the positive impact the WGA's unified membership backing has had, especially over Twitter with the WGA Staffing Boost Movement, which was started by LaToya Morgan, um, who's a writer and executive producer. So this, this hashtag, and Liz, you know about this, you've been, you've been a driving force behind it, but this hashtag has begun um, to trend, and now other upper-level writers are quickly becoming driving forces behind it, like Liz, and you're phoning in today, and I really appreciate your time. I also appreciate your time, Greg. I know you both are busy writing all the time, so uh, it means a lot to me that you're here. So this whole movement has become a force of nature and has even brought non-WGA writers like me um, some opportunities that would have not presented itself if it were not for, for the hashtag staffing boost. Uh, so there are so many writers, content developers, showrunners, producers, and writing programs on Twitter that have been so supportive and receptive to all writers. And this has been an incredible experience to witness on my part. Um, people are retweeting opportunities for everyone to see. Um, there are now WGA mixers happening in Los Angeles and New York. Um, and Liz, bless her, has been making Google Docs, grids, uh, listing writers who other upper level writers have recommended for showrunners to, to view. And I, I'd like for her to, to talk about that later in the episode. And to be clear, WGA stance is one of solidarity, not a strike. Am I correct in saying that, Greg and Liz? Yes. Well, it's, a, it's not a strike in the legal sense because we're, it's, this is not a labor dispute amongst employers. It's, it's actually a, a labor dispute amongst people who we employ. Exactly. So it's, a, it's, it's, it's not exactly a strike in the traditional sense of the word, but it's a labor dispute between the writers and the, and the talent agents. Perfect. Thank you for clarifying that yeah. because there was, Liz, you saw this on Twitter too, there was quite the confusion, um, people thinking this was a strike, but it's, it, that's not really the case here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so my goal here today is to clarify what's going on, meaning the legal arguments on both sides, while highlighting the positives that have come about for writers. Uh, let's begin today by having Greg Bernstein first introduce himself, and then Liz, I'll have you go after him. Before he introduces himself, I'd like to, to say that I've been fortunate to have him as a mentor for six years now. Um, he's, he's greatly helped me in developing my skills as a writer and also 
um, he's, he's seen my growth as a writer, so I really appreciate him in that regard. That's been really nice to see. <laughs> uh, what do I say? Uh, I, I started off as a lawyer. I got wise. I, be, I, I became a writer, uh, and I've been a writer for the last 25 years, and we'll have a film out in theaters in August. And I, and I teach at Arizona State University, which is how I had the pleasure of meeting you. Well, thank you and congratulations. Thanks. Liz, it's all you. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm a television writer. Uh, I've been working in network television for the last four years. Um, before that, I was an assistant for David Shore, who was the creator of House, The Good Doctor, uh, Battle Creek. And I met him when I was the writer's assistant on House. Uh, and I went to school for television. I knew fairly early on what it was that I wanted to do and just kept working at it and working at it. And I've been lucky enough to have some success. Wonderful. Congratulations to you as well. Success well-deserved. Um, I'd also would like for you to briefly, and we're going to go into it more throughout the episode, but just briefly um, applaud yourself and explain what you're doing <laughs> on Twitter right now for so many writers. Basically what I'm doing is I'm, I'm supporting the two hashtags that have been trending uh, for the last couple of weeks, and that's the WGA Solidarity Challenge and the WGA Staffing Boost. Um, both of those were started by writers that I highly respect, two of my friends, Javi and LaToya. And honestly, it just came from seeing a need. Uh, everyone was tweeting out recommendations of scripts that they had read as part of the Solidarity Movement. And those tweets were starting to get lost in the noise that is Twitter. So I started a grid, pretty much just a spreadsheet, uh, that tracks all of the recommendations made by upper levels so that anyone who's staffing a show, anyone who's at a studio or a network can have a list of verified writers with writing samples that have been recommended by writers that we all trust and look up to in the industry. That's wonderful. And you see, I think it's, I think it's so important for our audience to know what is being done and how this entire movement has brought all writers closer together in times of uncertainty. So yeah, thank you for of your course. Work. And I'm, I'm so sorry if I just got distracted. I just got bombarded with text because oh. a hit piece just came out on deadline about the hashtags and basically talking about how writers are breaking the law right now and, and uh, no one's being helped by these movements at all. So I'm so sorry. Like all of my texts just blew up. Oh my goodness. Do you need to answer anything? Uh, no, I just want, if, I, if I'm a little distracted, I'm really sorry. But oh, no, that's yeah. okay. Th so this, this piece just came out? That's so interesting. Greg's looking it up right now. Yeah, just, just as we started talking, I just, I got maybe eight text messages and thought that there was an emergency. It's just everybody sending me this article about how uh, it, it's a little ridiculous because they're talking about showrunners, how they don't have, they're lamenting because they don't have time to write, to read the spec scripts. Uh, to see who it is that they should be staffing. And that's that's actually the job of the showrunner. That's actually what you do for staffing. So exactly. that's not different from any other year. So the, the piece that was written by by uh, Nellie is, it, it's 
very skewed and it's kind of a hit piece and I just got very distracted so I apologize no that's okay that's so I've actually never felt like I was I've been in a newsroom before doing a podcast but for the first time ever I feel like like I'm actually in a newsroom with like you know updates coming in yeah no this is interesting I mean good timing we know we can talk about it and um I I can't wait to release this episode because I really do hope that it um, sheds a, 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 a positive and truthful light on what's going on right now. Um, because, I, I mean, Greg, it's not illegal, right? Um, I don't want to put you on the spot no, if you don't. No, no, no. Hey, I haven't practiced law in 30 years, so anything I say is, isn't worth listening to anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. No, the, the issue, is, the issue is, is, I mean, I don't know how it would be resolved by a court, but I know what the arguments are. Um, under, under California state law, technically only agents are allowed to procure work. This is a state labor law provision. <clears throat> and by procuring work, it means they're the ones who are, only they are permitted with entertainment people to negotiate a deal, sign a contract, and so forth, get a, get a job, and so on. Managers can help get clients up to the point where a job is actually procured, but it's really the agent who is required to be doing that. That's under California state law. On the other hand, California state law requires agents to act as fiduciaries, which means they are to act in the best interests always of their clients. And there are, you know, countless horror stories uh, where the packaging fees, which are so much at the center of this dispute, where agents have uh, apparently acted in their own behalf to the detriment of their client. And so, um, and then finally, lawyers uh, can say the following. Lawyers can say, hey, lawyers pursuant to legislation which made the state bar up in 1927 or whatever it was, lawyers are permitted to negotiate deals. That's, that's something lawyers do every day. So uh, it, it, it becomes a stretch to suggest that a lawyer can't negotiate a deal. Or are agencies really saying that they've been practicing law and, and that lawyers can't practice law? So it's all very muddled and all very, it's all very, you know, it's, it's a field day for lawyers, full employment for lawyers in California. Um, and hopefully at the end of the day, everybody will shake hands and we'll come to some arrangement. How did I do, Liz? Did that sound right to you? Yes, that sounded excellent. Um, oh. Yeah, that was, that was pretty much dead on. I, I am not as familiar with the legal side of all of this. Um, I have never quite had the mind for it. And so I've, I've tried my best to gather the information that's out there and make these decisions. But from what I understand, it's exactly what you said. I should, I should add one last thing, and that is that the Writers Guild has specifically deputized managers and lawyers to act as agents would normally act. And the Writers Guild claims that it has the legal authority to do this under federal law. I'm not enough of an expert to, you know, I'm just telling you what the arguments are. I, I'm not enough of an expert to be able to, um, you know, know what, what will happen in the long run. But th those are the arguments. No, that, thank you for clarifying that. That was very helpful to me as well. 
Um, so I guess let's let's try to boil it down as much as we can. So from what I understand, the WGA wants talent agencies to sign a new code of conduct that simply ensures that agents do their jobs of getting their clients the best deals possible for that client, which is what you just said, um, the best interest of the client. Um, so the, the Los Angeles Times thankfully got that right in its article. Um, and there are also the packaging deals that Greg also mentioned. So the WGA does not want clients used as part of an overall package deal or working with affiliated production companies because oftentimes those practices result in writers getting the short end of the stick. Greg and Liz, did I get, did I get that part right? Liz, you can speak to packaging since you're a TV person with more authority than I can. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's, that's basically right. Okay, perfect. And the, the, uh, the ATA's stance is that writers benefit from this, and it's a, it's a practice that's been going on for a long time. And then in response, the WGA instructed its members to fire their agents and has announced it's suing the, the big talent agencies. Can, can I add some clarifying Go stuff? Go ahead. Yes, yeah. please do. Um, for the last, because of abuses that happened a long time ago, <clears throat> agencies have so-called, and it's, it's a silly term, franchised. Uh, the union, excuse me, the Writers Guild has franchised agencies. This is not like Quiznos. They have basically, franchise in this case means they've given the agency a, a stamp of approval which allows it to represent guild members. But to get that stamp of approval, an agency has to agree to a certain set of guidelines regarding how they behave. Traditionally, that's been that you can't produce, they can't serve as producers because what? A producer wants to lower costs and an agent representing a client should be acting to raise costs. So that's a conflict of interest there. And, and so, this franchise agreement, the, the agreement by which agents had to abide by, it was felt in the last several years that it, it had outlived its usefulness given how the industry has changed. And so, you know, what's going on here is that the Guild has said, all right, we're going to have a new agreement, which the Guild is entitled to do, and say, if you want to represent us, you have to abide by these terms. And if you won't, then you can't represent Guild members. So there we are. I was going to say something else, but I forgot it. So there you go. Oh, thank you for age is a terrible thing. <laughs> Thanks for adding that. I mean, it's um, it, like you said, it's 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 muddled and it seems murky. I mean, what what does this mean for the future of the WG and its writers and agents? Do you have some foresight that you're that you're willing to to put out there, either one of you? I don't want to filibuster. <laughs> what do you what do you think this means for agents? Do you see a resolve? What what would the ideal resolve be? I think the ideal result would be that they sign the code of conduct, quite honestly. And I think right now what's what may happen, um, there's a lot of fear mongering going on. I know I brought up the article before, but if you notice there are a lot of trades that are coming out with uh what we've been calling hit pieces, uh, because they are basically in the pockets of the ATA. And so they've made these articles that are designed to scare writers into thinking they have to have agents and that they're not going to get jobs. And so right now I think what's going to happen is that whatever, however it falls out in this upcoming staffing season is going to determine how the rest of the fight is going to play out. 
it's it's all coming down to who's going to stand in solidarity. Ultimately, if the writers can stick together, if we can get each other hired, if we can show that as individuals we are, uh, you know, we are perfectly capable of taking care of one another, I think we're going to be taking away a lot of the power that the agencies wield. And I think ultimately what's going to happen is that the mid-level agencies who don't have the same financial reserves that the big four do are going to start breaking off and they're going to start signing the codes of conduct and they're going to start signing the big fishes and they're going to be signing the showrunners that the big four used to boast. And ultimately the big four is going to have to get given because their ranks are the ones that broke. I hope that happens, I th and it very well may. That's a really nice yeah. prognostication. It really well may. I think, you know, the real problem here is that in the last several years, the agencies have essentially been bought by equity yeah. funds. And the, the, you know, when, when Wall Street starts to really dig its nose in, their profit motive becomes, their profit motive and their ways of doing business just start to take over. And so these agencies, have become so accustomed to making so much money off of these packaging fees that now to lose them is is unquestionably a, a, a significant hit to them um, because they've 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 gotten absolutely addicted to them. Um, but 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 it's interesting because as Liz you know as Liz sort of points out, I mean right now at the big four agencies at CAA and William Morris and so forth. There are literary agents who have nothing to do, I mean, basically. And they're wondering if their job is going to be there in two months. And so, as, as Liz pointed out, it's, it's kind of a question of who's going to blink. Because our agents, our literary agents, going to leave CAA and going to leave William Morris and UTA and go to other places and try and bring their clients with them and sign this agreement, sign the code of conduct? Or are writers going to... And I don't think they will, because I think people like Liz are doing such a great job at hooking writers up with employers, you know, showrunners and so forth. But I'm sure that the agencies are hoping that the writers get nervous and go running back to their agents. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, you know, I don't, and this is coming from a non-WGA writer, um, recent law grad, but from what I've seen on Twitter, I don't think that's, I don't think what you just said is going to happen. I don't think writers are going to run back because at the end of the day, agents were basically agents are working for the writers and the writers are the ones that need to be pleased. And obviously they're not happy and agencies didn't do anything to, to change that. And now writers have proven that they can stick together and rise each other up and support each other. I mean, it's been, it's really been remarkable on Twitter. It's like no writer gets left behind. Some show runners were, were only open to WGA writers submitting some samples, and then I also had some other show runners that were open to, to writers like me and have been very welcoming. So it's amazing. I mean, there are, there are um, non-WGA writers like me, too, who are now tweeting, I, you know, I've never been more proud to be a writer. Um, if this is how it is being a writer, I, I, wanna, I can't wait to become a WGA member. So you can see that there is a huge unification of writers on Twitter, and I don't think that's going away. I think that's getting stronger. There is a, an example I want to bring in, and I'm curious to hear your opinions on this one. So here are some new developments. Um, Eric Heiserer. Uh, Liz, do you know him? 
I may recognize the name in writing. I don't recognize the name actually hearing it, but that's every name. Yeah, no, that's that's fine. So he's um he's um he he has some you know power, uh, showrunner, producer. He's been very open to to writers on Twitter as well. I briefly connected with him, and he would have been here with us today, but he was book solid. But basically, he tweeted a few uh, days ago that he he and a few other writers are making headway with producers and studios to start a new business concept. That business concept would play out this way: if you write an original screenplay on spec. You should be made producer when it sells to ensure you remain on the project for its life. Which means even oh, I have heard about this. Yes. yes, which means even if a studio ultimately fires you as a screenwriter, your producer title role means you still attend every creative meeting after that. And this was tweeted by him, as noted by Eric. A few feature writers have successfully negotiated deals like this, and this is a strategy used by other talent like actors. All the time, I'd like to hear your thoughts, both of you, if you, if you'd like to to give any input. If I may just say, from a, a personal stance, I know that the feature writers, in particular, have been getting screwed over the last few years. They've been making less money than ever before, and creatively, their control has been taken away by studios and directors to the point where they're basically a body in front of a computer. And I know that the guild has been. Attempting to make gains on their behalf, but something like this, I think, is going to do wonders for for the film writers' autonomy. And so, I think it's I think it's a great idea. That said, I don't know what the legal ramifications of that would be. I can only see it from a strictly you know pedestrian point of view. Gosh, I hope I hope what he's suggesting has legs and 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 heft behind it. And, and maybe uh, he may be thinking of things and knowing things that I don't know. Uh, that's eminently possible. But if I mean, if I sell a spec script and I attach myself as a producer, unless in my contract as producer it says Greg must be at every meeting and must be consulted at every meeting, if it says that. Okay, but what happens when you hire? I'm going to pick a name out of the blue. You know, you well, I won't pick an actual name. What happens when you hire an A plus list director, and the A plus list director says, "Hey, I'm a, I don't want to have to meet with this person every 12 seconds." You know, the hell with that. And they go to the studio and they say, "You want me? You got to go to that person and say, I love you, but you're not going to be in the room every day." You know, I mean, it gives the it gives the producer slash writer perhaps some leverage to be bought out or something. But as far as I can tell, there's no legal way of ensuring that anybody is on a movie at any time unless their contract expressly says so. The mere fact it says you're a producer, but. You know, I mean, obviously, people come on to movies all the time who have way more heft and clout than I do. That would be just about everybody. And and you know, if if they want to meet in the next room and I'm over here, what am I going to do? So I'm not exactly sure what that is. I hope to God I'm missing something. I probably am. Yeah, because I would also say, I mean, like what you're not really seeing is this is how television works. You know, when we work with directors, 
um, on a pilot, if the director is a producer, they are there the entire time, even if the writer, the creator, the person who's going to be running the show long after the director has left, uh, doesn't want them there. It's a collaborative effort. And so what we're saying is sometimes you have to be collaborative. And if you're an A-list producer, or sorry, an A-list director, um, who's saying, I don't want this person in the room, what we're saying is, well, you should let us be in the room because we're the ones that put those words on the page. Like, that's what we gave you. We gave you a baby, and you can't just go and mutilate it without at least having our consent. Well, all I have to say is God bless you, and may that, may that befall. May that be in the future of, of, of future film writers. It certainly has not been in their past. Obviously, yeah, TV, yeah. obviously, in TV, the writer is the powerful center of forceful entity. In, in movies, it's just the opposite. And as Liz says, we're bodies. We're, we're widgets. And, yeah. uh, I, I, you know, like I said, it's all based on contract. It's whatever you can get in your contract in terms of your, your ability to stay with the project, be with the project, be, you know, be con- contributing to a project. Most financiers who put up the money for these things, you know, are going to do what the most powerful person wants them to do. Which I completely understand, and I know that it's, you know, an idealistic point of view. I can also just see where film writers are the ones who are losing out every time we go to, you know, negotiations. And so it seems like if, if this sort of system can work, what it'd be giving is a little bit of leverage for writers who are putting in so much time and effort and aren't being compensated nearly as much as they should be. And I totally agree with you. It would give you a little more leverage. There's no question about that. I just, my, my wife and I sold a spec script, uh, and this is the thing that's coming out in August. And if I ever sell a spec script again, I can absolutely promise you we will be producers. We will not yeah. sell it without that. Wonderful. Yeah. And it, I mean, it only makes sense, like like you've mentioned, Liz. I mean, the script is is more than a the blueprint. It's it's the reason why a film or a TV show exists is because the writers wrote it. You know, they gave. I mean, they gave they gave life to this world that people are enjoying on the screen. So it only makes sense that that individual or that group of individuals can be in the room. And, and breathe life into it. And I feel like it's, it's only a positive, not a negative. So I, I really hope that that's a successful business plan that moves for, forward too. as well. Um, I can just see it benefiting so many different people. And you know, Liz, I want to get back to a point that you were making about people being skeptical on how long this is going to last, you know, like writers supporting writers. Um, I think I think it's just there's like a general I wouldn't say disrespect because that's I, I don't want to be I don't want to make accusations and that's probably not the right word but there is not uh, writers don't command the respect they deserve I don't think yet in Hollywood and I hope that changes because they they do deserve a lot of respect for what they do as creatives and as intellectuals but right now. I don't think that's happening, and I think that's that's one of the concepts behind the WGA solidarity. You know, it's like, hey, pay attention to us. You need to work in our best interest. 
we can't get the short end of the stick anymore. You know, these yeah. are these are all messages that I'm I'm seeing bouncing off Twitter, which is amazing. I just want to pull in an, an example of what I mean by not commanding as much respect because look at the headline. I mean, everyone made a pretty big deal about this on Twitter, as they should. Deadlines, headline, Universal lands sci-fi rubble spec. Verve agents change life of movie Usher, who may soon have to fire them because of the WGA dispute. So many writers took to Twitter to tweet about how biased that is and how far from re reality that is, you know, of the journey of the writer. One writer, Amy Berg, even changed the headline. Talented scribe Patrick Pittis, signed by Good Fear Management, writes killer spec resulting in a bidding war negotiated by his attorney. Verve sent email with the PDF atta attachment. <laughs> <laughs> that, that made me, yeah, that made me chuckle too. And um, the truth of the matter is, um, that is how many individuals in Hollywood want people to view writers. Right, as yeah. as the the starving yeah. artists that can't negotiate their own their own deal, yeah. But that's that's not that's not the case. Uh, writers have to work hard, and and I think they're one of the they're one of the individuals on on this earth that hear no so many times in their lifetime before they can catch a big break. So yeah. and and then when they catch their their break, you know, they 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 keep on plowing through and they actually find success, but. It's a long journey, and writers should command that respect that they deserve because it's tough, and they and they really put they they're the ones that put work into it. No one's no one's cutting their break for them. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think there was a tweet that I saw weeks ago. I don't know who to credit it to. Um, essentially, the writer said, "I love my agents. They're great. They're wonderful." Uh, but they made more money on my show than I did, and I was the one staying up. 20, 22 hours at a time trying to get, you know, a show on the air. Greg's nodding his head. <laughs> I'm just nodding my head because I've just, heard, I've just heard a lot of stories about how the agencies who are working for us make more, make more money off of TV shows like, you know, Liz writes than do the actual writers That's, through these packaging fees. That's astounding. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Well, Back, so back to packaging fees, I'm going to quote Amy Berg again. She did a su superb job explaining the differences between packaging and packaging fees over Twitter. I have it quote by quote here. I'm just going to read it off, and then I'm going to ask you two what you think about that. So packaging is the process by which multiple entities represented by the same agency are put together to sell a project. Packaging itself is legal and totes okay, in fact, it's the agency's job to set their clients up for success, and sometimes this is the best way to do it. Packaging fees are what agencies charge the studios for the service, which sometimes involves multiple calls and emails to make happen. They've, they've even been known to ask for packaging fees to be given to them, and it is a gift since they're ni uh, neither expecting, no, sorry, neither expected to nor do anything in return when they only represent a single entity on a series or film, one actor or one writer or one director. In return for their calls and emails, in parentheses, not, often not even participating in negotiations, which is left to the lawyers, they expect 3% of your budget and 10% of the project's gross profits, gross not net, for the life of the series, even if they have no clients still on it after season one. 
that money is coming from the pockets of the people they are supposed to represent and hamstringing their budget at the same time. The Writers Guild is proposing to eliminate the fees being charged and the conflicts of interest that arise because of them, not the practicing of packaging itself. Thoughts? Well, um, look at it this way. S and Liz, let me, I should, well, I should definitely defer to you. You know more about this probably than I do. Honestly, I would actually love to hear your opinion first because I'd love to know what the, the actual uh, legal right, well, fees of this is. All right, well, I, there are a lot of things I could say, but let me start with this. Let's say a TV writer slash producer is entitled to, per episode, a $30,000 royalty. Um, normally, an agent takes 10% of that. And what the agents will tell you, will tell their clients about packaging is, oh, no, 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 this is great for you because we don't take 10% anymore of, of your thing. They don't. They will waive their commission. They don't take the 10%. So let's say the show is hugely successful and does 100 episodes. All right. Well, the 10% commission on $30,000 per episode is $3,000. So if there were 100 episodes, that means the agency would have made $300,000. But the 3% of the budget of the uh, up front and the 10% in back can equal many, 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 many millions of dollars, not a couple of hundred thousand dollars, many, many, many millions. Meanwhile, because that 3% is coming out of, it's being paid up front, this upfront 3%, the 10% is only if there are profits. But this 3% that's coming up front, it's coming out of the budget. That means there's less money to shoot a show. That means there's less money to pay any writer, but especially junior writers. And so the agencies, the argument goes, are fighting like hell to get their packaging fees because of the multi-millions of dollars. But ultimately, it's diminishing the budgets of those shows, and so their very clients, if they're staffing a show with several writers, are probably, not probably, definitely, ending up with less money because there isn't as much money in the budget. It begs a question, why have production companies been willing to pay this package fee? Because what do they get? I mean, what are the agencies doing for it? Effectively nothing. Yeah. But they pay it because they're afraid that the agencies won't like them anymore and will not do business with them. Yeah. It's, you know, some call it extortion, others call it good business. <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is, but I mean, it, they, it, it so enriches them in the long run. Yeah. This is this has always been my opinion about it because everything that you said is exactly to my understanding. Basically, what they're doing is they're costing writers jobs under the guise of getting writers more money because we don't have to pay the 10% commission fee. And the thing is, if, if they're making 10%, on whatever it is that I make, then they're going to be fighting for me to make more money. Instead, every time I've been on a packaged show, I've been making scale, and I was in a writing team. 
And at no point was it expressed to us that we could ask for more than scale, that we could ask for 10 plus scale. We could ask for a 15 plus scale. We could, we could let them know, like, we're a writing team. You're getting a really good deal with us. You have to pay us a little bit more. The issue boils down to writers' salaries are being depressed because agents are putting them on packages and then trying to get them, uh, you know, aren't, they're not fighting for the money that they would normally be fighting if they were making a 10% commission. When their own salaries are tied into my financial well-being, they're working a lot harder for me. Instead, they're making sure that not only are they taking 3% of the budget of the show that I'm working on, ensuring that the writer's room is small and lean and thus costing writers jobs because they can't get on a show that can't afford to pay for them, they're also making sure that the quality of that show is going down because they're taking a percentage of the cash that should be going to special effects, to stunts, to, to actor's salary, and they're putting it in their own pockets. Yeah, that agents, you know, that agencies, that they have the leverage and have had the leverage to do this and have been willing to do it, you know, you can say, well, that's good business practice or they're, they're, doing, they're savvy business people. Yeah, and it will, it, I think it also comes down to the fact that they will hold their clients hostage. There are so many times I have talked to friends who are never approached about certain deals or certain offers because this production agency wouldn't play ball with the package or this person was refusing to let another one of their uh, packaged people onto the project. And so they would kill the deal and basically hold those those writers hostage because they weren't going to be getting the financial incentives. So, you know, they've been very savvy to line their own pockets. But there has come a, there there comes a time when the writers who after all are making f for the employers, for the productions companies and for the uh, uh, agencies billions of dollars because of our work. Uh, there comes a point where the writers say, "Wait a minute. Wait a minute." We're the ones generating all of this, and we're getting the shortest end of the stick. And that's not right, and it isn't right. And so the agencies will either have to uh, curb their appetite for these excessive fees, or um, they're just not, not going to represent writers. I know a few upper-level writers that I have talked to have also said, you know, this whole problem came because they got too greedy. The ATA and the agencies got too greedy. And if they had just kept a, you know, a much smaller take of the packages than they have been and made sure that we were getting well compensated for the billion-dollar revenues that we were generating, none of this would have occurred. But this is becoming an issue because our wages are being suppressed while theirs are skyrocketing. Yeah, the, the writer's agents... The writers' salaries over the last several years are down. Yeah. The agency salaries, the agents' revenues are way up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all right, so it's going to be uncomfortable for a while until this, the dust settles. But at the end of the day, if the writers hold firm, uh, their lives are going to be improved as they deserve to be improved because we're the ones making yeah. all this money. Exactly. Well, and I, I think the other issue is, that's why there are so many uh, articles coming out right now trying to, you know, sow conflict within the ranks because solidarity is really the only weapon that we have. Um, and if they take that away, then we don't 
have a whole lot. We break rank and everything goes back to the way it was. They can't take it away though, can they? Maybe I'm being too well, optimistic. I mean, the, the, the attempt in any you know, concerted labor action or you know, where a group is, is you try and divide and conquer. Yeah. And yeah. so, and so you know, their effort, the, the agency's effort will be and has been to divide and conquer. And if they're able to do that, and if, yeah, if writers don't hold together, if divide and conquer works, then things will go back to the way they were. On the other hand, if the writers hold together for, you know, just several months, then the agencies will be paying to employees, i.e. writers, agents, who are doing absolutely nothing. They will be paying collectively millions of dollars in salaries to people who are earning nothing for the agency. And so, you know, I, 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 it, the leverage in this case, I truly believe is on the writer's side if they only just hold together. Yeah, I think so too. I will predict that there will be a, ultimately a compromise of some sort that the uh, WGA can manage. That, that it's acceptable to the WGA because otherwise, if the writers hold firm, the agencies, CAA, they aren't going to be packaging anything because they, oh, they could package an actor and a director, but they aren't going to be packaging writers who are kings in TV. And so good luck to them packaging <laughs> if they don't have writers to package. No, it's true. It seems like those agents aren't really uh, doing the heavy lifting. It's the writers. So writers are now running their show. Um, as they've as they've always been, and even on Twitter, you know, people are connecting. Showrunners are finding people to staff, like through this movement. The hashtag WGA staffing boost is is doing what agents were supposed to do. So I definitely see it having a positive outcome for the writers as well if they hold together. I agree with that. I, my my final question is: Should the WGA and the ATA resolve this battle? and hopefully there is some resolve that satisfies the writers. Do you think the community and openness that has started to grow on Twitter, do you think that will continue? Because in the past, entry-level level writers couldn't easily communicate with producers and showrunners like they've been able to recently because of the solidarity. So hopefully this aspect of the movement stays regardless. Uh, if you guys have any thoughts, please feel free. I'd love to say yes. I don't know. You know, I think there's definitely going to be an openness that there wasn't before. I think there are going to be uh, newly established avenues that will remain open. I think writers are going to remain open about the fact that they go to other writers for referrals rather than relay, rely solely on uh, their agents and the material that's being submitted. But I, I think it's also... You know, I, we're all in the fight together, and it feels like there's a war going on, and the war does end. So what happens after that, I, I really don't know. Yeah, fair enough. I don't fair know. enough. I don't know either. I only hope that writers, yeah. writers continue to support each other because what I've seen on Twitter has really been a moving experience, to say the least. Agreed.
Yes, with your work, Latoya's yeah. work. There are so many other countless writers. I, I can't. I seriously can't list them all because there are so many writers backing up other writers and being open to writers they've never met. And I think it's really something, like it's something that you see in a lifetime, like once in a lifetime. So I really feel like I've seen a blue moon here, you know? <laughs> um, but anyway, I'll let you and Greg go because I know you're busy writers. I, I, um, a million thank yous to both of you for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Of course. It was wonderful getting to talk to you guys. Yes, and wonderful getting to know you too. I can't believe we've connected through this movement. So so thank you so much. Thank you so much, Liz. Keep doing the wonderful work you're doing. I will second that. <laughs> All right. Bye, Liz. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Thank you, Greg, for being here. That was fun. We closed this episode today. See, I knew I would end up yakking yak. <laughs> That's just what I do. I am.